0: Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you, and folks, a tough one, a tough one, no doubt about it, you've had almost 24 hours, not quite 24 hours, but almost 24 hours to uh, lick your wounds, drink your sorrows away, get over it, and hopefully move on, and maybe, just maybe, just maybe, eyeball a chance at history, because Jonesy... I don't know that the Raptors are going to do it, but at some point, whether it's in 2022 or 2052, at some point, some team is going to make the comeback. And again, as I just said, I don't know that it'll be the Raptors this year. Maybe it comes next season. Maybe it comes in 20 years. Maybe it comes in 50 years when I'm dead. Wait, let me do the math. I might still be alive in 50 years. Probably not, but maybe. But either way, it is going to happen at some point. But can Toronto actually do it? The Raptors down 3-0, and that's, of course, what I'm talking about. No team in NBA history has come back from down 3-0 to win a series in any round, and that's what's facing the Raptors after their loss on Wednesday night as they dropped in overtime to the Sixers. The shot by Joel Embiid, leaving the Raptors with very little time. Uh, Toronto could not tie it send it into an extra session, a second session, And Embiid, who was, dare I say, god-awful in the first half, and our colleague, our friend Nabil Kareem from NBA TV and TNT did the interview stateside with Embiid after the game, and he acknowledged, I'm paraphrasing, but it was almost damn near word for word, that I didn't want the ball in the first half. And he had to be ignited and inspired by his coach, to want said ball in the second half had a monster third quarter had an equally impressive fourth quarter and overtime, and looked like a stiff in the opening two quarters, and looked every bit the part of the m v p in the second half and overtime yeah. and with that game winning shot
1: he was uh he was great um, you know I thought Toronto did a good job of getting to him in the first half, having him turn the ball over he was uh, you know, he was he was off. He, it, it, you you could tell Toronto had gotten to him, and he was turning the ball over. And um, you know, the Raptors built their lead, but if, you know, Doc Rivers talked to him at halftime, and he, he kind of cranked it back up and and got it going. And I I thought I thought the Raptors um, had a chance to really make the lead. I wouldn't say insurmountable because even in a playoff game, a 20-point lead with the number of possessions and the three-point shots, uh, it, it's never you know what you would call safe. But they were up 17, and the game kind of went back and forth, and the crowd was loud. And you looked up, and you thought, okay, like Toronto's winning by 25, right? and all of a sudden you look up and it's like an 11 point game or a 12 point game and and the analogy i was talking with somebody about for in the in the, is is like in boxing when you hurt the other guy and he's on the ropes and you're not just flailing to knock him out you're measuring you're taking your time you're looking you're picking your spots but while you're doing that he's resting and and all of a sudden he he hits a, you with a couple shots, and you back off, and now you got to fight again. And you were that close to finishing them off. I think that's what happened to Toronto, and they weren't able to put them away. And you saw what Philadelphia did; they got their confidence back, and 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 and, and there we go.
0: Uh, yeah, there you go. And the Raptors now getting set for Game Four Saturday afternoon. Uh, on their home court, 2 p.m. Eastern, the tip-off, and they're fighting literally to stay alive uh, and trying to mount that comeback, if, uh, if at all possible, trying to mount that comeback uh, over the 76ers. Game four again, 2 p.m. Eastern, the tip-off of that game. Uh, the Raptors um, down 3-0 in the series, and obviously it wasn't a great second half for Pascal Siakam. In fact, let's be honest, there's no disguising the fact it was abysmal. Um, it was a scoreless second half and overtime for Siakam. And uh, we'll bring Jonesy back into the mix here in a couple of seconds uh, as I kind of recap some of the numbers and 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 kind of go down what happened yesterday. Eight points in the second half overtime for Fred Van Vliet. Uh, again, zero for Siakam in the second half and overtime. And it, here's, Jonesy, where I might kind of look at this. And admittedly, come at this from a um, Raptors optimist's perspective, but I think there is some realism thrown into this. Joel Embiid was awful in the first half. He was all-world in the second half. James Harden had his best game of the series, and yes, did foul out and wasn't on the floor for the late stages and then into overtime. I get that. But Fred Van Vliet struggled mightily and was not good. Pascal Siakam, as I say now for the fourth or fifth time, was scoreless for the entire second half in overtime. And yet the Raptors were still in control of the game, did not relinquish the lead until Philadelphia had their first and only lead in overtime, and came that close to pulling that much closer in the series and trailing 2-1. So point being there is at least a glimmer, a glimmer, a sliver of reason to be slightly optimistic about at least game four, and as cliche as it is, take it one game at a time, because if you can actually hang with Philly, playing, having Embiid play at an all-world MVP level for at least the second half of that game, and sustain a pretty solid performance still from Maxi, a decent night from Harris, and the best game from Harden, on a night where your two best players were not your two best players and your arguably best player was scoreless in the second half, that gives me reason to think you still should be confident going into game four that you can not only hang with but beat this team.
1: Yeah. Um, But, Eric, on the other side of that, to to maybe temper your optimism I mean you got a career night from OG Ananobi you got a huge night from Gary Trent Jr you got another career night from Precious Achua and that's great and and you know that's what held them in but I, I guess to your point even if those guys don't have career nights but they're solid and you get Fred and Pascal going yeah you do have a chance to beat this team I mean that's that's a that's that's a one that's a make, classic make or miss win for Philadelphia. If they loo- if that shot does not go in, we go to a second overtime. And Eric, I'll never forget the year that Raptors won it all. They're down two nothing to Milwaukee. Come home and they end up winning what in triple overtime. They're f- the same kind of thing. They're playing for their life for their season. And they don't want to go down 3-0. They win in, like, an overtime, triple overtime, and they never lose another game in the series. So it's that close. And, and you're right. You, at some point it's going to happen, but you can't get four until you get one. And I think the biggest area of concentration for them right now is to get Saturday.
0: Well, clearly they have to, right? If they don't, it's done, Period. And and then, you know, the questions will come in terms of what does the offseason look like. And I'm sure there will be some naysayers that say, oh, what was the point of even getting in? I still think it's experience for your team overall. It was supposed to be experience predominantly for your youngest player, your rookie and Scotty Barnes. Uh, and, of course, he went down and was unable to play in games two and three. But there is optimism that he could go tomorrow. In fact, Nick Nurse, prior to the game yesterday, said that he expected Scotty back for game four. I don't know if being down three zero changes things as opposed to being down two one, uh, because I know there are some people even today, Jonesy, saying, "Oh, why bother bringing the guy back if it's just to end up you know losing no. and risking?" No, no, no. You got to bring him back if he can go. If he's healthy enough to go, then whether you're up three zero or down three zero, if he's healthy enough, you play him. Period. Right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's about the experience, right? It's, and it's a, well, one, it's about trying to win, but two, it's about The experience, think of what this has done for first-time playoff people, uh, Achua, um, well, having a a prominent role as playoff people, Achua, Trent, uh, even OG and Fred and Pascal in their roles without, you know, the championship year of Kawhi Leonard, without 2020 and Kyle Lowry. it's, It's... it's a new experience for them all. So yeah, you're you're trying to win games, but bring them back for the experience. Yeah, you, uh, learn, understand what to do when. Like those are things that, you know, th- those are things that are invaluable from an experience standpoint.
0: Raptors and Sixers getting set for tip off on Saturday at 2 p.m. Action tonight in the Association. Memphis, Minnesota game three of that series. Dallas, Utah. Uh, Game three of that series and also game three later on between Golden State and Denver. We will touch on all of those games at some point over the course of this show. In fact, we might do so in a few minutes time when Justin Termini joins us and uh, he'll be on the program in mere moments. And in fact, I believe he is on the line right now from Sirius XM NBA radio, Justin Termini. Justin, thanks for the time as always.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always, guys. Uh, I, I listened to the broadcast last night, by the way, down the bottom of the well. So uh, I did that as I, was, uh, as I was walking the dog. So nice
0: job. Well, 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 Justin well, Jones's well, call up go. down the bottom of the well, coming uh, fr- on the wrong end, at least for Raptor fans, with, uh, with with Joel Embiid hitting that shot. And I guess, you know, I, I, I do want to go around the association with you, uh, but let's start with Philadelphia and Toronto and the fact that uh, that shot for Embiid, a lot of people saying... What was Toronto doing? Uh, that inbounds play, they didn't put anybody on Danny Green. I don't think too many people thought that Philadelphia was going to go for a th- triple. They had, the, they had Embiid on the side. He had to make a, a ridiculous shot. But at the same time, you know, what did you think of Toronto's coverage and the fact that that shot was even able to uh, be released by Embiid? Yeah,
2: I, mean, I think he's one of the few centers that can make it do it in the, in the history of the sport. That's what I was thinking at the time that it went off. And, you know, maybe Jokic, maybe Carl Anthony Towns, of course, it's going to be a center for like modern day. But even with the fluidity that, that he was able to get that shot off. And then, you know, I don't fault him as much. You're not expecting, like, MB to be taking a three when you need to, uh, and he needed two. And he takes it like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a great play drawn up by Doc Rivers. It's not something that I would have anticipated. Uh, and Embiid's one of the few guys at that size that's hitting a shot like that. So you tip your hat and you give him credit, unfortunately.
1: Uh, what, Justin, and I know you were a guy that picked Toronto before this thing started. You picked Toronto in six and, and uh, brazenly and boldly against some of the people who, who didn't didn't believe you. And I, I, look, Philadelphia won the first two games last night. That game could have gone either way. And all of a sudden, you know, you're in a 3-0 hole. But how important do you think this is? Because we talk about this. Very few people are excellent at something the first time they do it. When you think about... Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., Precious Achua having their first prominent roles in playoffs. And even for Fred and Pascal in that sense, without Lowry or Kawhi or anybody, how valuable is the experience right now for Toronto, Uh, the results Saturday notwithstanding?
2: Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why I actually picked him is just because we've seen, like, the continuity of fans and and Siakam winning a championship together, and I think that experience is, like, invaluable. Um, But the rest of the team is right, and I think that's where it really kind of stinks is, like you get Scotty Barnes who is fantastic and won, right? And you want to see him go through it. Like even you lose that game last night, you could tell me, all right, it's worth it, but it's not like necessarily worth it for a band's leadership. They've played in tough games like that throughout the course of their careers. But that, is, that experience, win or lose, for a guy like Scotty Barnes is something that's invaluable and you're gonna be able to carry it forward. I mean, I think that's something important that we're seeing right now in say Memphis and Minnesota, where those guys are going to Anthony Edwards. All right, you lose that series. Anthony Edwards has been there before. You lose that series, our John Morant and Desmond Bain have have gone through some playoff experience. They understand what it's like to bounce back from a loss. And that's the thing I think that stinks about this for Toronto is even if you end up losing the series, now you're not going to have the experience of having a guy like Scotty Barnes sort of experience the ups and downs of the postseason. But one of the reasons I actually picked Toronto is because of the experience between Dan Lee and Siakam. I thought the mismatch in coaching with Nick Nurse, who I think is the best coach in the sport, against Doc Rivers. Uh, and, uh, I didn't the fans, the and I just can't anticipate the banged up bodies. I got to be honest, though. I just can anticipate Van Blijden and Siakam playing a little bit better because you got it from Ananova, you got it from Gary Trent Jr., even though he was ill. You got it from Precious Jua last night, but the Siakam and, and Van Blijden were a little disappointing.
1: Speaking with Justin, speaking with Justin Termini from NBA Radio, uh, JT and, and Eric alluded to that earlier when he said the fact that. Um, you got great games as you pointed out from Achua and Trent and how they brought it and you didn't get that stuff from from Fred and Pascal as you would have expected and they were still in that game what what chance do you give Toronto if Fred and and Pascal kind of return to normal and you're not getting career nights from from OG or or from or from Achua off the bench I, I, where where is the mental side of this for a team that's down three nothing?
2: Yeah, I mean you're around these guys all the time. You see the you know, traveling with shirt sure, and- uh, you know, you've been around a, you know, a lot of teams that have been down. It's not easy to come back from, like, 3-1. You've seen it a couple of times in NBA history. To come back from 3-0, I mean, it's not going to happen. You hope that they show some fight so they don't go out on the sweep. Nobody wants to see get swept. I think I heard one of the Raptors, I forget who, mention it the other day that it's always embarrassing. Maybe it was a nugget uh, that said it because they don't want to get swept by Golden State, and they're down 2-0. But, uh, I mean, I think they just show fight, and I, I think, like, there's no way to come back because, one, you got the best player in the series in Joe indeed. Two is I, I think everybody's shocked. You have to be right as you're prepping for the series. that Tyrese Maxey has played like he has. I know he's been good all season, but we didn't expect him to step into the postseason for the first time and look like this. That's got to be a shock to McNurse, you know, everybody on that Raptors staff, and it's got to be. Can you call him the games?
0: Hey, Justin, yeah. let me, let, yeah. uh, go, were you, did you want to jump in there, Jonesy?
1: No, no. I just concurred with Justin. I mean, Tyrese Maxey has been a revelation. He really has. And part of it because Raptors are scheming for Embiid and Harden and and this kid takes over. But he's been terrific. He really has, Eric.
0: Hey, Justin, I wanted to bounce around the league with a couple other series, though, because we're going to have Alvin Williams joining us later in the show, and I'm sure we're going to kind of continue to break down the uh, analysis by paralysis getting set for Game 4 yeah. uh, with the Raptors and Sixers. But one of the things you touched on in terms of the, the health uh, or lack thereof, it's not just plaguing, whether it be Philadelphia or more so Toronto, when we talk about uh, Scotty Barnes and the impact that he has made by not being around the last couple of games. Look around the rest of the league right now. I mean, it, you know, trying to get updates now on, on Devin Booker, who looks like he's going to be gone for a couple of weeks, and now Chris Middleton with the Bucks, and, and the list goes on of guys that might not be playing for their teams for a game or two or a couple of weeks or to Luka Doncic now going to miss another game tonight for the Mavericks. How much of a factor is that? How much of a factor could that play in us seeing more upsets than perhaps we initially expected or anticipated?
2: Yeah, I mean, to have, I guess, the two teams I picked to reach the NBA Finals, both and key players, that, that's going to shake things up. I think Phoenix is probably better suited to deal with it because – you should still beat the Pelicans as great as they've been, and like David Griffin and Willie Green should be proud of what they're starting to build there. But you should be, you should still be able to get by him, right? And then if you get Utah or a compromised Dallas next round, you should be fine if you're if you're Phoenix. I think you got to be a little bit more nervous if you're Milwaukee because Middleton's going to be reevaluating in two weeks, and I still give them the edge to beat Chicago because you got the best player by far in the floor in Giannis. And you got the championship experience, but you're not getting by without Chris Middleton the way this Celtics team is playing. You're not getting by him, or even Brooklyn if Brooklyn somehow comes back. That also means they'll be rolling. You won't get by them if you're Milwaukee. So I think they're the teams that's got to be a little bit more concerned. But in regards to like its impact overall, and I opened the show with this yesterday uh, over on, on SiriusXM NBA Radio. Uh, you guys know the history of the league as well. You can pick out any year, and I'll tell you like how that year was impacted. That championship was impacted by an injury, and that goes all the way back to Russell. Bill Russell lost one time in the NBA Finals. It was 1958 against Bob Pettit in the, in the St. Louis Hawks. And that was the result of an ankle injury. Uh, and you can go all the way up to 2019. And I know the Raptor fans not going to want to hear this, but you benefited from it. Okay, if KD's healthy that entire series. If Clay's healthy that entire series. Maybe Toronto doesn't have a ring. So really, you could pick any year from 1958, Bill Russell, to 2019 with KD uh, and Clay, and say, all right, that championship was impacted by health. Uh, so this year it doesn't look like it's going to be any different.
1: Uh, Justin what do you make of the Memphis Minnesota series as Eric said I want to bounce around the league with you a little surprising that uh, Minnesota went in and won the first game at Memphis or do you chalk that up to some of the inexperience and then Memphis bouncing back in in game two.
2: Yeah, I mean, that, that would be, I, I believe, Memphis being the youngest team in the 77 Blazers to get to an NBA Finals, and, and youth is always is always a concern uh, when you're there for the first time, right? And it's the same thing, I think, for Minnesota. I was a little surprised, because I think Memphis is clearly a better team. I still expect them to, uh, to win the series, uh, but uh you've got to have for Minnesota like Anthony Edwards to I me mean, is spectacular. Game one, 36 points. He wasn't as good in game two. Uh but he was still the best player for Minnesota. Carly Anthony Towns, really if you think about it, he's played three playoff games, right? Because the game against the Clippers, that was a playoff game. He fouled out, he was horrible. Then he was horrible last game. He was only good in one. He's got to step up. D'Angelo Russell, I believe, in his first two games two of ten, uh, and two of eleven. Uh, so he's, what, 4 of 21 over the course of the first two games. So he's got to step up. I think that's a good series. I, I would prefer that, like, the foul trouble not plague it, and that's going to happen in the first couple of games. Uh, but I would say Celtics Nets is the most entertaining series to me, and right in the teals is Minnesota and, and Memphis. I think that's the second most interesting one.
1: Hey,
0: Justin, I, I, what I find really interesting as well to kind of continue on the theme of or, or the path of the games that are coming up later on tonight, Golden State-Denver, Warriors up 2-zip. Jokic has been incredible this season. I don't know how the MVP is going to play out, whether it's him, whether it's Embiid, but either way, both have had incredible seasons. But the Warriors are looking every bit the part of the Warriors of old right now. And the fact that you've got Steph Curry, at least for now, in a sixth-man role coming off the bench, making his way back to full health, like it's incredible what Golden State is able to do right now. When you look at the depth that they have and how they've continued to build that team through the draft, through some shrewd moves as well, full marks to not just the players and the coaching staff, but the front office for what they've been able to do with that team, staying not just competitive, but, but championship competitive um, while still you know, cultivating and, and, and growing with some young players.
2: Yeah, I think that's what's got to have you nervous if you're Phoenix. Like, all right, you even if Devin Booker didn't go down, I think they probably looked over at this series and said, oh, my God, the Golden State looks pretty good because we are questioning whether Steph's going to be healthy. Well, I think we answered that question coming off the bench the other day at 34 points in 23 minutes. Then you're like, all right, is Draymond's back healthy? Because Draymond missed a significant amount of time. And, like, of course, regular season the postseason, there's a difference in health. Can he really push it? And he shut down Jokic more so than anybody that shut down Jokic maybe the last two years. So he looks great. And then all of a sudden we're throwing Jordan Poole into the mix where he's going to play at this level and basically play like he's a borderline star uh, in this new depth lineup. So like, even if you didn't have the issue with Devin Booker's health, I think you would have like maybe noticed what's going on in Golden State a little bit. Uh, and I think the combination of the two of, of the two things happening with Booker's health plus the way they're playing and uh, with the Warriors, like that, that maybe makes you rethink the Suns as a guarantee to get to the finals.
1: Yeah. Um. Justin, what do you do if you're Steve Kerr?
2: Like, with this, so with this death lineup you're talking about in regards to, like, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, do you go to that more? Like, step, do you continue to you know, have him come off the bench? Um, I mean, with the death lineup, I, I don't even know if you want to, like, display that so much right now and maybe save that for a little bit later on in the series. I think the question with that is going to be defensively. I can't hold up. But, like, offensively, I think they played 11 minutes in the series if the number's correct. And they've outscored Denver forty-seven to eighteen uh, in those in those eleven minutes. So it's basically fifty points in a quarter. I don't know how that'll hold up defensively, uh, but offensively, <laughs> yeah, that, that's amazing. And then I think the other part that makes it easy. Uh, is like, you know, Kerr has a guy in step that's going to like willingly come off the bench. How many stars around the league are doing that? So I'm sure that makes uh, Kerr's job a lot easier, just like when Popovich is coaching Duncan and he's got ego egoless guys like Robinson and, and Duncan and Manu. Uh, it made it easier for him.
0: Justin, appreciate the time. As always, enjoy the games this evening, this weekend, and uh, we'll be chatting with you again soon, I'm sure. All the best.
2: All right, same to you guys. Hopefully
0: we get some going down the bottom of the well for the home team here in Game 4. That'd be nice. it would be nice. All right, Justin. There is Justin Termini from NBA Series XM Satellite Radio, uh, host of NBA Today. As the uh, Raptors again getting set for Game 4 on Saturday at uh, 2 p.m. And action coming in the association Thursday night uh tipping off shortly actually memphis minnesota dallas utah golden state denver the uh late game friday's games miami and atlanta with a heat leading two games to none milwaukee chicago tied 1-1 after demar DeRozan had an incredible performance last night and as justin touched on as well the pelicans getting the win uh over the suns evening up that series at 1-1 as now phoenix moves forward without devin booker let us move forward with Alvin Williams. We're going to step aside for the break. When we come back, the former Raptor and SportsNet Television analyst will join us, and we will also look back to Wednesday evening and uh, hear from a couple of the Raptors uh, after the ball game as well, Toronto down 3-0 in their series to Philly. Lots to come on Smith and Jones. <laughs> proud of the guys in the way that you know we fought we raised our intensity level our attention to detail was a little bit better um you know we made some plays offensively again generating shots hasn't really been our issue in um, this series has been our defense and I thought our defense was a lot better tonight um but uh yeah in terms of closing out a game and executing down the stretch that's probably as bad as it gets Back on Smith and Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones, with you we're going to bring into the conversation in just a couple of moments. Alvin Williams, Fred van Vliet after the ball game on Wednesday night. Um, listen, I've got all the respect in the world for Freddie van Vliet Jonesy, as I know you do. I'm sure Alvin does as well I, I i'm I'm going to nitpick a little bit here, and you can tell me if I'm off base on this one when he talks about saying that the attention to detail was better, but then in the same breath, says but our execution wasn't great down the stretch and we closed out the game horribly. That's isn't that attention to detail? Like, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, And it's the first uh, time ever. I mean, the last ever the
0: Raptors Jonesy first time in franchise history in 17 games, now 18, that they did not win when holding a double digit lead at halftime, 17 and Oh, going into last night. And they were up 10 at the half and lost that game. And, and, there were a lot of things that weren't attentive to details, especially late fourth and into overtime.
1: Well, and, and, you know, taking away the late fourth and overtime, I thought they were better. I thought they were good attending to the details and making the plays and executing and muscling up. And it, 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 was, the, it was only the third time in, I don't know, what, the last 30 years? that a team has never led in regulation and won in overtime only the third time. But it's the second time that it's happened to Toronto in the last like seven years. Like you remember the Cleveland game two, Eric,
0: Mm -hmm. same thing
1: up, Mm -hmm. up double figures in the third quarter. And all of a sudden Cleveland makes a run at the end of the third quarter. Uh, They, they, the Raptors can't get a a, a layup down to that would have wanted at the buzzer. And they lose in overtime. And here we go again. So I, I I do agree with Fred in a sense, but when you needed it to be at peak execution, and and the fine details, you know, those are the things, the fine details, and and the fine details beat him at the end.
0: All right, let's bring into the conversation Alvin Williams. I was going to play Joel. Emb- Actually, you know what, Al, I think it's probably a short clip before we bring in Alvin because we're going to talk about this. Let's hear from Joel Embiid about his shot. This is after the ball game on Wednesday.
3: Uh, obviously we know what happened a couple of years ago. Um, felt great. Uh I just knew that coming in here tonight it was gonna be uh obviously it's always a tough place uh to play at, especially in the playoffs. They got great fans. Uh they're loud. Uh, you know, coming into Toronto I was definitely gonna be the bad guy. Uh, you know, for quite some time. So I just wanted to come out and, you know, just you know, let the game come to me. Uh and uh but it felt great uh but the job is not done uh you know we gotta get one more
0: i'm sure it felt great no doubt about it he hit a hell of a shot he had a fantastic second half and overtime and as i said off the top of the show he looked every bit the part the mvp all right now we do bring in former raptor longtime nba of course sportsnet raptors analyst alvin williams al um i know you and i spoke about it after the ball game i know you chatted with jonesy as well um Take us back to, to you and Matty D in the broadcast last night, what you saw in real time uh, and then what ultimately unfolded and and what perhaps you might have done or or um, or not, uh, the same or differently in terms of the, the final moments of the game.
3: I mean, I saw the same thing everyone else saw, right? I saw Joel Embiid come off the screen and... You know a few screens and and wide open for well, not wide open but just made a tough shot a tough a tough three pointer that um you know he can make. I mean he's been making the threes he's been making those threes from that that left corner. If you go back to game two when he was deep in the corner in Philadelphia he hit a three close to that area and now you know he's comfortable going into that space right. So when you talk about execution, you talk about details. You know that that's a placement of. After a timeout, that's a placement of the ball. That's a placement of putting people in position, sweet spots where they don't have a lot of time. So it's a catch and shoot. So when you tie all those things together, that was definitely planned, and that was a strategy to get that ball in that area to Joel and B. That was an option. So it's easy to say what you would have done at that at that moment because hindsight is always 2020. But you got to give it to the Sixers' great execution, and they finalized it with the result of a made shot. So. You know, you can be very critical, or you can say there's so many other things that could have prevented the Raptors to be in that position, right? At that at that moment, so there's a lot of things that you could be critical of.
1: Al, it's funny because you know you talk about that, and we tend to look at the last play because it's the one that's fresh in your mind. But uh, boy, Embiid made a couple of really big shots, and then you go back to as you say, missed free throws. Uh, missed layups for Toronto, all, all of those things factor into it. What's the mindset, Al, when you have – I was talking about it as a boxer. You had them on the ropes, up 17, and you're 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 measuring, ready to put them away. And while you're measuring, they're catching their breath, and they throw a punch or two off the ropes and back you up. And all of a sudden, they're back in the game. I, I, the Raptors were up 17, and the place was going crazy. And I looked up at the clock after a couple of minutes, and – the 17-point lead was down to 11. Like, like, they, they they managed to stay in the game. It's like, you know, a guy that makes a couple of big shots to keep you in the game, so you don't get blown out. What's the mindset now, Al? Because you know you had that game and you let it get away.
3: Yeah, the mindset is going back in there, right? And and you know, not just just playing hard is not going to be enough execution at moments is not going to be enough. It has to be 48 minutes, and you have to be ready to execute game plan one, game plan two, game plan three. You have to have your counters. You have to be ready. And one thing that, you know, you look at the Sixers once again, when James Harden fouled out, now you have the ball in Tyrese Maxey's hand, which is a whole different look. You have somebody that's attacking downhill, finishing, using his speed, rejecting screens and getting to the basket and not just probing like a James Harden, right? So now, now the speed has changed. So now your coverages have to change for when Maxie's at the point guard coming off the ball screen and when James Harden is coming off the, screen, coming off the ball screen. So your mindset is you have to be ready. And when, when I talk about being ready, you have to be conditioned to, to make those adjustments on the fly. You have to be conditioned to make those adjustments in timeout. And you have to have the personnel that's mature enough and capable enough to do those things. Some teams you can't throw a lot at, you can't make so many adjustments because they're not capable, they're not experienced. The IQ level is not that high, and I'm not accusing anyone for the Raptors of being that, but that's the case in a lot of times where you try to have a team that can make adjustments on the fly and and do counters and, and make things happen. So the Raptors just really have to figure it out. I think they have to approach this game one possession at a time, one quarter at a time, one half at a time and one play at a time, and I think you just keep going forward like that and see where, where everything lies now.
0: Speaking with Alvin Williams, Raptors getting set for game four against the Sixers coming up on Saturday, uh, so an extra day's rest. Hopefully that's a, a good thing for the Raptors. Um, Al, when when it comes to Fred VanVleet right now, and, I, and I, I even pause and hesitate in asking this question because he's been so good this year, uh, all-star season, May end up being an all-defensive team, but clearly not at 100% right now. And it wasn't late in the season, and he's gutting it out. How much is that impacting him right now, do you think, on both ends, but especially defensively for a lot of the stuff you were just talking about in terms of Toronto's on-ball coverage, stopping the ball first, keeping guys out of the paint, the dribble penetration, all that stuff. I'm not putting it all on him, not pinning it on Fred by any means, but how much of an impact Because you have been there? You've been there a healthy and you've been there on one leg at that position. How much is that a factor right now?
3: No, i mean, it's a big time factor if you're not healthy. I mean I don't I don't see and you know, I haven't watched film of the last night's game, but I don't see Fred being a liability on defense at all. I don't I don't see that, although they are they're a little bigger and in, in certain matchups that I'm sure that the Sixers are trying to exploit or take advantage of. But you know, when you when you talk about Fred he brings so much more than just, you know, the performance on there. He brings the leadership. He brings the temperament. He brings the calmness. He brings a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think he impacts the game in so many different ways other than the physical aspect. But guess what? He, he's hurting. I'm sure he's hurting. A lot of people are hurting, but he's probably hurting a little bit more. And when you are when you are a smaller player and you have those responsibilities, you have to dig deep. That's why when you talk about small players, you talk about a Fred VanVleet, you talk about a Kyle Lauer, you talk about the AIs, you talk about guys like that that can manage and do the things that they do at that size and go through the injuries and pains and still perform, you got to take your hat off. But with Fred, I mean, I'm sure he is beat down a little bit. But I think the biggest thing, you have to have him on the floor because of the other things he brings to the team.
1: Al, Philadelphia can probably say some of the same things, you know. Uh, they came to Toronto and the Raptors found their personality. I mean, Philadelphia, uh, you know, they, they they turned the ball over, uh, you know, 24 times. And, and, you know, the Raptors won that battle. Uh, they won the battle with more possessions, more shots. And Philadelphia can say, you know, James Harden fouls out. Uh, you know, we still come away with a win, uh, e- even though we didn't get – you know, a lot from our bench, and, and we had to ride our starters and all of that. What's the confidence level of the Sixers, you think, right now, Al? Um, I mean, it's not quite invincible, but it's got to be pretty good.
3: Yeah, I think they're very confident, I especially after coming down, being down 17, as you mentioned, and Joel Embiid having five points and I think three turnovers, or three or whatever his stats were in the first half. And you know the thing I'm thinking about, I think, Joel, he's being challenged. He's being challenged by the coaching staff. He's being held accountable by his teammates, and he's holding himself accountable. So you have a totally different player than we've seen in the past. If you see in that second half, and he carried his yes. team to victory. So they're very confident. And when you have your best player, when you have your best player playing at that level. It's easier for the role players to just step in and do their job. And then once again, you have a Tyrese Maxey who's playing with so much confidence and so much ability. And you got to take your hat off to Tobias Harris. He's doing a great job playing defense on Pascal Siakam. He's doing a great job of getting his own offense at times, at the right times. I thought he did some great things in that second half. I think it might have been the fourth quarter when he started being aggressive. I had he had two possessions in a row. One he got fouled going to the basket. The next one he got a layup. So he he starts doing his thing. So I think they're very confident, and and they and they should be, but they shouldn't be content because. That's when you know what level you're on. When you take care of your business as a team, no matter what, no matter the circumstances, that's when you're going. Because this team, face it, their reality is a championship or bust.
0: Speaking with Alvin Williams, Al, when it comes to Pascal Siakam, do the Raptors, whether it's on Nick Nurse, whether it's on the you know Pascal himself, whether it's on you know teammates on the floor, do they need to do anything different? in terms of trying to get him in different spots, different looks, or is it more so on him and what he's doing in terms of his offense?
3: No, it's both. It's both. I always feel like, and I've said the same thing. I remember when LeBron James was in Cleveland and early on, I used to always say, like, I think the coach need to put him in certain situations, you know, for him, you know, that'll benefit him. And it comes down on the coaches as well, coming up with a game plan, but more importantly, it comes down to the player. You have to be assertive. You have to put an imprint, make your imprint on the game. Defensively, rebounding the ball, you know, his rebounds are down. So, overall, I'm sure he's not happy with his performance. But when you're coming up with game plans and schemes and ways to manipulate the other team's um, strengths, everyone has to do it. It has to be the coaching staff and it has to be the player. And it has to be the other players, you know, helping him. Because, face it, you need Pascal Siakam to be Pascal Siakam. And that, if that means other players sacrifice their games and some of their opportunities to find better looks for him or get easier looks for him, then so be it because you're not going to win with Pascal Siakam scoring twelve points you might win you might you might you might win a game or here fresh score twenty or whatever, but that's not going to win you the game. The stronger players, the better players, and the players that with the most responsibility they have to be the ones that's carrying a load, and then everyone else has to feed, fill in so I think it's on everyone's to make sure Pascal Siakam get in there. But it has to start with him first.
1: Yeah, Al, it's the old adage. In the biggest games, your your best players need to be your best players. And what are you looking at in terms of a bounce back from Pascal? He's going to have a couple of days today. I mean, I'm sure last night was tough. Uh, you got today, tomorrow. You've got a couple of days to, to sit on it, uh, to stew, but also to – watch video and get some shots up and get in the gym, and, you know, they're super motivated. What are you expecting um, to make sure that the Raptors don't get swept on Saturday?
3: Yeah, I think, I think you, you go in there and you watch tape and see how you can exploit matchups. The Sixers, I know for a fact, they're not allowing, you know, we've seen in the past, and he, his minutes are down now, and George Niang guarding Pascal. I mean, Pascal might, might have been cooking his face from the past two months every time he guards them. So now, I I watched yesterday, George Nguyen ran away from Pascal to switch so somebody else could pick up that matchup. So I know the Sixers are deliberately putting certain people on Pascal Siakam. But I believe also identify and seek out different matchups where Pascal Siakam has an advantage. And other things, I like like the idea of the pick-and-roll action with Joel Embiid, dragging it up high, making Joel Embiid further away from the basket, and not being afraid to take that shot off of the, off of the pick off of the pick and roll, the jump shot, whether it's mid range or the three, because once again, that allows your offense to rebound and they'll get to be strong again because Joel Abid is away from the basket. If you want to maximize in your strength, you gotta do other things. You gotta shoot those shots when a Joel Abid is away. You have the crispy shade. you have everybody else, they crash in the glass and get those second opportunities. I thought the Raptors did a good job of that at situations of the game at certain times, but it wasn't a heavy dosage of it. And I think every time they did it They almost got something out of it, or at least they got something they
0: wanted out of it. Speaking with Alvin Williams. Al, I always love when you tell us old stories too, you know, not just the current day stuff. You're sitting in the locker room, whether it be after the ball game on Wednesday night or you're sitting in the locker room before the game on Saturday afternoon, I guess maybe even Saturday morning getting set for that 2 p.m. tip-off. I'm guessing it's Oak. Maybe it's A.D., Maybe it's Muggsy or Dell. Who's saying what? In what tone is it being said? What's the message being delivered to make sure that everybody's heads are straight and, and you're focused on the fact that although the task looks damn near impossible and it's never been done in history, you can't quit until it's actually over? How does it go, and, and do you have any moments close to that that you experienced?
3: Um. Well, no, I don't. Ha- you know, I don't have much playoff experience myself. You know, I played in three playoff series. Mm-hmm. Two I actually played in. One I sat the bench. But you know, with that team, we had a lot of we had a lot of veterans, and a lot of the conversation came from our practice. That was back in the days where before the game, you were practicing hard. You were going through the game plan. We were dummying the offense, dummying their defense, and you know we had our second team playing against the first team, and we're just going through everything all except. And we're going hard. And you can tell who was ready. No one was going to play hard in practice and not play hard in the game. So if the practice wasn't on point, then it would be stopped and then people would be addressed. But for the most part, we had a veteran team of grown men and everybody knew what they had to do. Now, if there was something like a Oka challenge, Vince Carter, or something like that, that would be done too in the media, right? Y'all seen that before. You've seen Vince and Vince's mom and Oka. And guess what? Vince came out, I think he had 50 points against the Sixers that one game, you know, coming back. So it wasn't nothing for Oak to be the guy that would challenge players in the paper. But in the locker room, it was pretty much self-explanatory. You get in that that practice, you grind, you get in that weight room, you get your shots up, you bang, you scrimmage, you you know, you spar, and then let's get ready for the game tomorrow. So I think that's that's the biggest thing. But no one would – it's not much conversation when you're down 3-0. What else can be said?
1: Yeah, uh, and that's where I was going to go, Al. I mean, down three zero, there is, I mean, there's challenges being issued, but you've you've got to challenge yourself. Um, you, you, what's the state of mind? What you know, if you're if you're Nick Nurse, what are you saying to those guys? Uh, you know, how are you instilling belief and confidence? Uh, you can't show all the bad stuff. What kind of clips are you showing in the video room to keep this team, the spirits up and keep them? You know, looking just, just to get one. You can't get four until you get one.
3: Yeah, I, I think you do show the clips. You show you show the positive clips. You show the negative clips. You show the clips that you can correct, right? You, you don't necessarily have to show the hustle clips because the hustle is there. You can show the things that you can get better at. And then I think it's a coaching staff, you, you put your heads together and you devise a game plan or you devise whatever, whatever strategy that you think, you know, the team may benefit from. But once again, at this point, it's going to be collection of the the hard work, the, the paid attention to detail and the execution, and then just just being there, being mentally strong. Just being mentally strong when when the game is up, you're ready. You're ready to keep it going. When you're down, you got to push, push through it. There's no fight, hey, there's no give up in this Al, team at all. So,
1: Al, do you change but, the game plan? Like it worked last night. It worked last night. I don't
3: change it. You know, I don't. I don't change it. I I, I like the way that you know the team was double teaming Joel Embiid, you know, when he put the ball on the floor, they would they would they would uh come and double him and he had a lot of trouble. The thing about with Joel Embiid, he's not always catching a ball that far into the basket that it's too late to trap. He's catching a ball mid post. Now you can go and that's a fault of his own, right? So now you can trap him easily. And he's not the greatest passer out of those traps yet. And then the other thing, I would you know I think it was a few times where you know, James Harden got a little loose getting to his left hand. It's times where the Raptors did a very good job of forcing him right. But what what the Sixers did that I thought they changed and did a good job, they started having him come off his pick and roll going to his left. And now he's going left and you saw him drop a couple of pocket passes to that one dunk by Joel and But the pick and roll start going to his left, starting on a right side, right slot, going to his left to his strong hand. I think the Raptors keep him out on one side and keep him away from the screen. That could help as well. But hey I'm a I'm a armchair couch or whatever you call it, or arm arm a coach coach, uh couch coach or whatever. It's harder, it's easier it's easier said than done. So but I think you don't change the game plan. I'm a, I'm with you, Jones. You don't change the game plan. You just make tweaks here and there and be ready to execute at the right time.
0: So uh let me leave it at this then, as the armchair quarterback or the couch coach as you called it. How much of this, simply put, comes down to shot making as well? Like Philadelphia, as well as I mean, Fred Van Vliet said in that clip right off the top, you know, I thought our defense was pretty good. And I'm not saying it wasn't. Sixers still shot over 51%. We've seen, whether it's Niang or whether it's Maxi or Harris or Green, uh, you know, Shake Milton at times. Outside of last night with OG and, and 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 Trent, the Raptors, by and large, have not been making a lot of shots collectively in this series thus far, especially from the perimeter. And Philadelphia has. Some of these shots go down for Toronto. Maybe it's a different case. And is it that simple?
3: Unfortunately, it does come down to making your shot, whether it's, you know, throughout the game or it's that last shot. You talk about a Kawhi Leonard shot. You talk about a Joel Embiid shot. You talk about some free throws that, that were missed, right? You talk about it comes down to that shot. The execution and the details, people get lost in all of those things because of the result. You can you can set a screen, you can come off the screen, the pass could be perfect, the seams could be there, everything could be done correctly, you could be wide open and miss the shot. Right? The execution was there, the details were there, but the result wasn't. So it does come down to making shots. It comes down to getting stops and it comes down to making shots. Every possession is critical. And that's why the playoff basketball is so is so great because when you as soon as the ball is jumped, jump ball, it starts right then and there, right? Every possession, every movement, every action is important. And if you don't have that maturity or that understanding to realize everything you do is important, then you, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. At some point, you're going to lose. So that's why, that's why the playoffs are so exhausting. Emotionally, they're exhausting psychologically and physically because everything is important. And if you don't have that mindset, you're going to lose. And that, that's point blank. So it does come down to shot making, but it comes down to everything else in between.
0: Al, appreciate the time as always, and uh, I guess we'll see you at the gym on Saturday afternoon. All the best, man. For sure will.
3: Thanks, thanks for having me.
0: There is Al, All right, Al Williams. Uh, we always love having him on. He's, he's a regular. Whether we're daily, whether we're weekly, Alvin's a regular, a staple on the show. As, again, Raptors and Sixers get set for game four on Saturday. Jonesy, nothing locked in, nothing guaranteed, but it's sounding like Scotty Barnes should be in the lineup for the Raptors for that game. Again, nothing official. Maybe things change leading into that game, but that's the way that Nick Nurse was talking on Wednesday night. It sounds like that Scotty could be back.
1: Well, he's uh, 19. Um, <laughs> he bounces back quickly. He heals quickly. And like Eric, you and I know, we've seen enough of this. When you go into a walking boot, it's usually you know, a week to 10 days, maybe two weeks if it's a sprain. And Saturday will be a week. So, you know, hopefully he's ready to go and he's getting shots up and there isn't a drop-off for him should he get back into the lineup.
0: Raptors-Sixers, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Game 4, as the Raptors try to keep their season alive and uh at least pick up one in the series and send it back to philadelphia lots of action on thursday night friday night around the association as well we'll keep you updated on all that right here on smith and jones make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast please download rate and review and you can always follow on social media as well paul double underscore jones eric double underscore smith on twitter we'll be talking a lot of postseason basketball have a good one folks